Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's homo superior. <laughs> Issue 220. I'm Kaylin. Clark. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, we've got some news. We've got some issues. And as always, we want you to plug me, Daddy. It's a news flash. It's the news, you know? The information you hate to get because it's usually terrible. Yeah, we've got that. Clark, I believe we have some news. Yeah, so um, we're going to be reading, talking about Marauders in a little bit, but there's supposed to be a ninth member. Are you excited? We already have our main eight. It's supposed to be a character who has never been in a mainline X book before, and then he comments, a contemporary X-Men book, I should say. But we get to bring a character who he believes is pretty historic as far as representation goes. And those things are both exciting to me. Who do you think this character might be? Historic representation, uh, not a uh, it seems to be they were actually in an X book, but not a contemporary one. You said historic representation, and I was thinking, I, thought you was, I heard prehistoric, and I was he like, did oh, say it's definitely the Phoenix Force from the Avengers. Pretty, did I say that? It's pretty <laughs> historic. Yeah. I think I read it quickly, but you know, Dino prehistoric. Man. <laughs> well, I mean, there I, are some of those. I don't know. You and you and Kaylin have the most annals or anals of X Men or Marvel lore. I'm trying to think of. Do you think it's going to be uh, it, some sort of horrible nightmare from like Lobster Bot, like from um, I think Fallen Angels? I think it's going to be Maggot, and the Ooh. reason why. But he's I been in that... a ma- he's been in a mainline X book before. He was on an X Men he... team before. Yeah, but I thought he was. I thought you were saying that uh, it isn't in a current X Men team, and that's been like twenty five years since he's been on one. Uh, I mean, I just don't know what he means by contemporary. Yeah, contemporary is the word that. Um, but but used. what the, the 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 time period in which he counts as contemporary? Because he talks about Merrill also on a different page. Mm. Um. Yeah, the reason, the only reason I say Maggot is uh, he's kind of a fan favorite. He's like a gremlin character. Unlike X-Fans, when they say, oh, like, so-and-so is my favorite, you're like, who the hell are you talking about? But Maggot kind of fits the bill. Plus, when we did interview Steve Orlando, plug for us interviewing Steve Orlando a couple months ago, mm-hmm. um, uh, he said that he got into the X-Men um, really during the Joe Kelly, Steve Siegel era. Like, there were people he really admired and he knew and uh that was like um like the three new characters that joe kelly introduced in that run were dr cecilia reyes marrow who you mentioned clark as well as maggot so my vote is maggot watch me be wrong watch it be like somebody who was at like one panel of like uncanny x-men number 188 back in like 1984 (laughs) and then like we're all we're all just like who what where when why i hope it really is prehistoric x-men and it is Thoron, <laughs> just like some really you know our fucked up dinosaur man that we love to hate and he doesn't like he, he doesn't hate cancer enough to not want to turn people into dinosaurs well, I feel you, like... guys should, you guys should really go back to that interview because in it steve orlando did say the ninth member would be glob hermit so we're finally <laughs> getting him on the top he's one of the fan favorites that for whatever reason never really gets on a team Everyone's excited, I'm sure. Per usual, I just want uh, Lifeguard and Slipstream back because the 90s are back, baby. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Big money. 
early 2000s garbage characters. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, you... They seem you like 90s the characters. 90s. You joke about... I mean, the early 2000s were basically the 90s as far as I'm concerned. But you joke about the 90s, but, that, like, Orlando is a 90s kid. Yeah. It's going to be an X-Man or X-Person or Mutant that was big during that era. Watch it be fucking Adam X the Extreme, and then we all want to kill ourselves. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully it is. Or hopefully we kill ourselves. Which one? <laughs> In that order. All right, what else is going on? So Sony decides <laughs> it really needs to make a Madam Web movie, which is supposedly going to be start filming soon and star Sandra Bullock as either a really old woman who has psychic powers and is blind, or Julia Carpenter, who is a redheaded spider woman who then went blind because when one blind woman dies, another blind woman has to take her place, it seems, in Marvel Comics. Um, what do you guys think? I want to know if Sandra Bullock's casting tape was Bird Box because I'm pretty sure they watched one piece of that film and they're like, she can do it. And it's just her screaming, Spider, Spider, Spider-Man, boy, girl, Spider. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she has a real knack for staring into black space. If you've ever seen the movie uh, Gravity, uh, that's mostly oh what her God. character is doing. Um, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why this is even happening. Like what, who in, in what world is someone at? Like, I know that they're still making Spider-Woman and all that other, like, why wouldn't they just start making the properties that people actually know and care about? What, what is the main benefit of this coming before others? Kaylin. I'm pretty sure Sony thinks that Morbius is going to be a really big hit. And I don't think that's going to happen. Watch me be proven wrong, but uh, they're really just trying to build out like what characters they have rights to and just build that Sony-verse. It's like, it's the dream that they can't get get rid of or they can't let go of, I should say. Um, anytime like the Spider-Man characters work is when you actually have some form of Spider-Man, whether it's Peter Parker or Miles Morales. Uh, and in most cases, it's linked with the MCU as in the case of the Tom Holland movies or something so innovative and gorgeous like... Uh, into the Spider-Verse. And of course the sequel across the Spider-Verse part one is coming out this year. It just, it just feels like, Hey, we just got to milk that cow as much as we can. And I predict Morbius is going to be a bomb, a box office bomb and a, a, uh-huh. a critical bomb at the same time that Sony's going to probably just shelve this after, uh, after that happens. Kaylin, your revelations are terrifying me because if you're also wrong about this, that means that Adam X joins the Marauders and Morbius does Big Bang at the box office. Yeah. So I hope that your reality comes true and that it's not the opposite. I mean, it feel like Sony's trying to make their own Avengers, but with only Spider-Man characters and they're choosing weirder ones first. Like I get Venom because if they're not going to act to be able to functionally use Spider-Man, then they should get Spider-Woman and Venom uh, quick. And I don't know why they haven't pushed, pushed, pushed for a Black uh, Cat movie because she's one of the best, probably the best female character in Spider the Spider-Verse for me. Um, I mean, this right. attempt to kind of build out, you know, the same way that, you know, late, but the same way that the MCU built out their starting lineup of heroes also feels like it's not really working because I don't feel like there's any cohesion in the cinematography in any way that Mm -hmm. makes it feel like they're part of the same universe. So they're all dark, but dark comes in a lot of different flavors. And 
you know, I don't think the humor lands as well or consistently as uh, the Marvel movies do, or at least even sounds the same. Um, so, I mean, so when you try and combine, combine these things, it just doesn't, I feel like they're like different Legos that just don't fit together. The thing about Morbius is super weird because he's a character, if you watch the Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s, you recognize him. He, they tried to make him a thing during the whole Midnight Suns era with Ghost Rider and with uh, so many other supernatural characters. But like his ongoing series never lasts that long. He hasn't had very many ongoing series since the 90s. I can't remember one. And he's had a few minis here yeah. and there. There and was so, one. It was a nightmare about three years ago. Oh, okay. was it ongoing Awful. or a mini? It was, was that what it was called? Ongoing, a nightmare was, about three years ago? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was an, a, a, an ongoing that was canceled quickly. It, it just, and then, I mean, you have the people who don't necessarily read the comics or maybe even remember the 90s cartoon. The reason why Venom is as popular as he, as he is, is like, you've got the kind of like edgelord guys, you know, mm. between the ages of 18 and 32, you know, buying Venom t-shirts, like they buy Deadpool t-shirts or Punisher t-shirts. Like nobody's bought a Morbius t-shirt unless they're like a huge super fan, like at a comic convention. I can't wait for so Morbius to be super successful. And then Entertainment Weekly is going to have like a front page. Jared Leto, our vampire's back. <laughs> There's yeah, nothing I'll, about that movie that would like, like, like me believe that this is like going to happen and it's going to be successful. It, it, was a, it was a series that was retroactively turned into a miniseries, is what I've been reading. And it was Vita Ayala doing it. Oh. But it was. Oh, well, we like them. Unreadable. So. <laughs> Uh, the last thing I'll say about the Sony thing, to me, it's like, look, they're just going to keep making shitty movies and continue down the into the Spider-Verse line. So as long as they're putting money toward that, yeah. I, I really don't care what other shit they're making because I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, You know, it's not like I'm super excited about some other Sony brand that they're not really giving screen time to. Uh, it's just kind of a money pit. So in um, states that suck news, Tennessee, one school board has decided to ban the um, amazing comic graphic novel Mouse um, by uh, Spiegelman. It's uh, the wonderful slash horribly amazing um, Pulitzer Prize winning comic about um, the Holocaust and Nazism and the fact that this fucking board is removing it supposedly because, you know, it's ruining the children with an image of some, some boobs and some cuss words instead of, you know, probably the fact that this stupid county loves Nazism. That <laughs> pesky little holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I think it's terrible, but I mean, the hypocrisy of it all is, if you remember early last year when conservatives were trying to manufacture a some kind of a, just a controversy uh, when the Dr. Seuss estate said that they weren't going to be publishing a couple of his books, and then they were like, Oh, books are being banned. Oh, that woke mob is just coming for all our books. Meanwhile, an actual, this is actual censorship. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> it's a government entity censoring uh, uh, the, the, the availability of a book for children. Uh, I, I mean, the book is not necessarily for children, eighth but grade. like- this is, like, Yeah, this is an eighth grade uh, school that it's being banned from. Jesus. I, which is, and it's crazy because like in eighth grade, I remember watching the old Romeo and Juliet, which you see like Juliet flashing her tits like every two seconds, or at least in that one scene. So it's like, it's not about nudity. It's not about profanity. They're a bunch of fucking anti-Semites. It's what mm -hmm. it is. That's all it is. It's, right? it is, you know, funny how, you know, this book kind of like, 
uh, Fahrenheit 451, in banning it, you're kind of showing the exact point of the book. Right. Uh, and it's like, well, okay, so I know you guys didn't read it, but is there any reason why you really do you, you don't hate mice? We know that. And some tits never stopped you from fucking reading a book. I'm guessing Penthouse is like the most advanced reading you've done. <laughs> oh, but I read it for the articles. Yes. <laughs> I mean, um, Adam, the, the positive, the, uh, so the positive, hopefully the positive side effect of this or the, un, the, the unintended consequence could be these kids like look for the book themselves. They either download it on Comixology, they order from Amazon themselves, uh, you know, like their friends loan it to them. You know, like these things have like the adverse or the opposite effect of what they intend. And so by banning something by, by saying, no, don't do it. Like imagine, you know, when you were a kid, your parents were like, don't do that. And then you immediately do it because you want to, you know, show your, your independence and your rebellion. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I masturbated every that. day. <laughs> we both had a bit we just had to get him for yeah i don't know if it's good or it's bad that this has been picked up by like bbc cnn like news in israel like it, it's a big deal for this stupid little tiny garbage county that i don't know what it is but i'm assuming i hate it um to have done <laughs> i don't know if wow. it's good in that like people are gonna get there's gonna be a big outcry or it's bad in that it's going to be some sort of like Republican. Yeah, we did this thing and everyone knows it. And we can, you know, got, I, got distracted I just by what was going on up there. They're just uh, I, got a, I got a little kiss. You got a little kiss. <laughs> I just don't think there's any leg for this to kind of stand on in that that realm of let's get riled up. Like the idea of the things that they're claiming are what's preventing it from being seen are easily like, talked away or down there's like literally like pg-13 movies now where i feel like there's probably tits out for the i mean cuss words clearly there's a thousand million cuss words in every single t uh pg-13 they're gonna have movie. to like publicly admit that it's they have to get rid of this holocaust the, the cuss word one of the cuss words i i read was uh it was goddamn are you so kidding of course, especially that it's because you have god in there that's clearly it Clark language with Come the anti-semitism <laughs> that kaylin is just talking about it's just some sort of christian bullshit wrapped around and some i don't know it's nice thank god we're an r-rated podcast tennessee (laughs) tennessee fuck off is what i say yeah fuck you tennessee hey adam are you excited for this thing no one else is mortal kombat's gonna be back for a second movie live action garbage for hbo max which will actually this time be shown in theaters what do you think um i'm I'm lukewarm on it, I gotta be honest. I think the first movie had really good fight scenes, uh, was a pretty serviceable return to trying to bring back Mortal Kombat as a franchise, but it felt like a very half-baked movie. And the fact that they had to create a character for a movie is never good. Um, And so I was frankly generally disappointed, but I did... Some of the cast I really enjoyed. Uh, again, the fight scenes were so good. I'd like to see more. And I would also like to see maybe the um, creative team have a little bit more control and a little bit more probably freedom and experimentation because they, if they could repeat the opposite of the original Mortal Kombat movie franchises, that would be wonderful because the second, the sequel of the first one was a fucking steaming pile of shit. So being able to have a upward trajectory on this would be really, really quite nice. Now, uh, the HBO, excuse me, Warner Brothers, they were the reason that that random new character was added to it. Right. It wasn't the creative team. So, that I mean, I was only noting that for that reason, uh, Brent. 
Well, I mean, you know, the it seemed like the most recent Mortal Kombat movie was kind of made on a whim and a prayer that really they were kind of just, we've got this IP, let's see if we can make something happen with it. We don't really give a shit. So it's not like the second movie can be much worse. But I do think that there's, you know, there's more effort by production studios to listen to what the fans are saying and are critical of, Um, you know, the Snyder cut, love it or hate it, or Sonic the Hedgehog, that maybe there might be some extent to which they lean into a campier version of it or something that's a little bit sillier. Um, And that it's a movie that has more fun. And it's actually about uh, the Mortal Kombat because the first movie absolutely was not about uh, fighting. (laughs) Right. Well, looking through, I, I always check Reddit for any movies and stuff. It was resoundingly negative just because of how off it was. The fact that this character took up about half the screen time and didn't fucking, was just some rando. Um, I don't want to spoil who he actually is, but anyways. Um, the other thing, I, oh, I want to note, uh, and I'm assuming Adam, you've, I think we've talked about it before, the Mortal Kombat Legends um animated movies there's two of them i believe right now yes and the first are fucking one, fantastic yeah oh you did enjoy this i haven't yeah, watched yeah. the second one yet and I, I i had heard that the second one might have been a little bit i mean rushed, it's a downgrade but, but it's a downgrade it. based on something that is i'll say a b plus yeah i mean well what i really appreciate about the first one was that it was very re- revolved around the actual um games like the games have a good now Uh now they do back back then they obviously did it when they first came out but once they rebooted the whole storyline with mortal kombat 9 since then this like it's been more i would much rather see them just make that into a live action movie in many ways than waste the time with trying to come up with original stories because it's like they really do have great character interactions the plot's all there the characters are built in um, and they're a lot of fun. So I, I'm leaving this podcast. I know we're, we're not ready to plug daddies yet, but uh, I am taking that recommendation. I'm going to watch that tonight, Clark. I want them to make eight terrible movies and then the ninth one they're taking over the game. Yeah. <laughs> like to, to be completely fair, that's precisely what happened in the game. The stories got progressively more and like worse and worse. And then finally they had Armageddon and they're like, they ended it with this like cataclysmic dying, yeah. reboot. And then they just started from that, that Raiden was trying to like prevent that cataclysm from even happening. So he went all the way back to the original, uh, original tournament. So maybe they'll yeah, do that yeah. after nine movies, they go back in time and take out the pre the, the original character and retell the story without. <laughs> I quite liked deadly Alliance though. That was maybe the, Six. Yeah, that was actually really well regarded. I remember when that one came out. I just I never got into the fighting system until they brought it back with uh, MK9 and like redid it because I even hated the originals from a gameplay perspective. Okay, the last piece of news is something I think we're actually going to all be surprised, expecting, and surprised and happy with is uh, the Kill Lock is coming back, which is one of the few things we have universally loved between all five of us. We have a a special issue kill lock that you guys can find through whatever the fuck soundcloud we got going on i don't know you guys can knock it down i don't really know anyways livio ramadelli's back with his series it's called kill lock artisan wraith i don't want to spoil it too much just in case you guys want to watch excuse me read the first mini series um where the it's basically four criminal robots i'm not going to spoil anything about what their criminality is um have a mark on them that if one of them dies all of them die and they're trying to figure out their shit. This time, 
there are two new assassins trying to kill the artisan wraith who is one of their one of the group and i'm saying that in the cheesiest good spoiler free review yeah Yeah, exactly anyways as it says um the the planet is under the command of the artisan wraith and these two homeworld kind of deadly assassins are coming to stop him and we'll see what the fuck happens but i am very very excited this comes out march 9th what do you guys think i'm annoyed that you didn't use my spoiler free review beep boop beep robots kill 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 <laughs> or, or and then pop and live yeah uh, I'm I'm super fucking excited. I know I really enjoyed our extra issue on this um, because we did all enjoy it so much, and it was just very very tight limited series that I know when it was over we were like ah like all you wanted was more. So very excited to be seeing new content coming out in this world, um, and can't wait to read it and hopefully have Livio on for a creator interview at some point he did like the fact that we created that last one the last um yeah he said he specifically said we um he had never heard uh other like people who reviewed the book get it the way that we did so yay for us we're incredible you hear that listeners yeah you should be appreciating (laughs) us more We are the sole reason that a comic book you've never heard of is coming back. <laughs> I do think, yeah, people definitely heard the podcast, started a hashtag, bring back kill lock, and now here we are. Lock so. in, kill lock. Hashtag <laughs> lock in, kill lock. Lock, kill, kill I lock. I mean, the fact that like five, all five of us consume this much content, and I feel like with science fiction, so much of that so much of the content that does come out is just sort of a retread of things that have already existed, like Dune, Star Wars, Star Trek, mm. you name it, that there was something this original, uh, this unique, you know, and it's just, I'm really glad. I didn't think it needed a sequel, but I'm really glad that there is going to be a sequel. I'm super excited about well, it. Caitlin, we all loved Westworld. <laughs> Except for me. <laughs> I was on the podcast for those parts and I just wouldn't speak for 10 minutes. <laughs> God. I think it's this dark, and I'm not really sure what else we have ever done that has been universally positive. But uh, de- definitely injustice. People, you and I Farber. think everybody loves injustice as well. Shut up. <laughs> Doctor Strange, Earth World. <laughs> Adam, what's happening in comics? Uh, well, it's time for the issues, and that's our weekly recap of all things X, along with a few of our favorite Marvel House writers and characters. This week, we've got X Deaths of Wolverine. 10 deaths of Wolverine. I hate, well, they got to <laughs> wow. stop interchanging that shit. Uh, Marauder's Annual number one, X-Men number seven, Thor 21, and Black Panther number three, which was also his 200th issue. So 10 deaths of Wolverine. Uh, this was the number one with the writer Benjamin Percy, the artist Federico Vincentini. Following Inferno, Myra's on the run with no arm, no powers, and sadly stage four cancer, but she sure does have a great new blonde do. It doesn't take long for her for Mystique to catch up to her, but Myra is able to avoid her and the CIA thanks to Jane Foster's help. Meanwhile, a phalanx Wolverine fatally wounds Black Tom, searches for Moira, and has a brief respite with Jean on Krakoa. Um, what do you guys think of this relatively Wolverine light death of Wolverine issue? If the Ten Lives of Wolverine reminded me of um, Terminator meets Days of Future Past. This reminded me of like a Bourne movie, like a Bourne Ultimatum, Bourne Supremacy, mm. Bourne Identity. 
of having Moira kind of be this like fugitive, you know, on the run. I wasn't expecting such a direct sequel from Inferno and I didn't mind it, but it's unfair to compare them, but I'm going to compare them anyway. Benjamin Percy is a fine writer, but he's no Jonathan Hickman. And it just like the voice of Moira felt off to me. Uh, the, even the way Mystique was written was slightly off to me. I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. This felt like the fourth James Bourne, Jason Bourne movie, where <laughs> Jeremy Renner was in it and not Jason Bourne character, and it was just nonsense and pretty not great. I I well, Brett, what'd you think? Well, I was curious. Did I forget that she had cancer, or is that just a new development entirely? Moira, new in this case, right? New. Yeah, it feels new. It feels it feels new. It's when Jane Foster diagnoses her. Yeah, if you two didn't know about it, then it's definitely new. There was nothing in the more recent reading that we've done. I wasn't sure if it was historical. I'm gonna uh, Google it right now. I'm just tired of people's sickness. It's it's like if they were in the 1800s and they cough up blood. <laughs> it's it's tuberculosis if they mm-hmm. do it now it's cancer and it's like the only disease that writers ever use maybe because it's ubiquitous enough that people can understand the weight of it but i always feel like okay maybe i don't know that it's a coughing, stupid point but co- no coughing up blood is the is the zoom in and enhance of diseases no yeah. one ever <laughs> zoom in and enhances <laughs> but it's just easy enough to get the story moving but as a story, I think I'm I'm more interested in the whole series to see that this is the direction the deaths are going in compared to the lives. Some when weird I, cyber you, Wolverine, cool. Yeah, God. When you mentioned the ex deaths of Wolverine, I literally pictured Sesame Street and him crying over like ten different like small stuffed exes at different points in time that have been murdered. <laughs> what? <laughs> You know, like anyway, a sad, I a like- sad little ex has been killed and he has to mourn the loss of the sad ex. But he has to do it 10 times for 10 different exes. I, I'm i surprised you guys didn't like, I mean, I, I guess you're, I, I agree that like certainly the voice right after Inferno felt off, but I was kind of excited that it was a sequel and that it also dealt with a lot less Wolverine because I just was not ready to read 10 more fucking issues completely related to Wolverine. I thought it was, it does feel a little bit soon and it does feel a little bit, like not the way I'd really expect it, but I was excited that they were really keeping up the thread almost um, immediately. Cause this is, this is going to be the lead in to the April like relaunches, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to have a, ask a, something that we haven't talked about a lot recently. Gay fashion question. What the fuck did we think of Moira's new look? It's short blonde from the nineties. I think, uh, I'm I'm on the fence, Kaylin. I'm not going to comment on the look, but the fact that she's trying to hide from both the CIA and from Mystique, and she just dyes her hair blonde, and she thinks that's going to work, mm-hmm. is kind of ridiculous to me. That's and that's the thing. It's hard for me not to compare them because if right. the way that they've even talked about the ten lives and deaths of Wolverine, it's like it's like what happened with House of X and Powers of Ten a couple of years ago. And the second issue of, of House of X uh, was um, all Moira. And of course, this is the first issue of the 10 Deaths of Wolverine. But you can also make an argument that there is a mirror of like it being Moira focused. And that's like one of the, the House of X number two is one of the best comics I've ever read in my entire life. And this was just fine. 
Hey, she's wearing sunglasses. Cut her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we cast Moira, it's going to be Jennifer Garner and she is going full alias. Uh, red hair. Luck. <laughs> you have to have that red hair. Crib noted. Uh, yeah. Crib noted JJ uh, Abrams' script. So I uh, forgot and I'm confused. I did, what, what did Moira do? Like, what, what is mean? her what is her game plan? At one point, she wants to like cure everybody, but another point, she thinks that maybe we should join the the machines. She 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 never thought the join the machines was the right way. Like, because mm-hmm. Magneto and Charles mentioned that to her in in Inferno, saying, "Look, we can't defeat uh, Nimrod. We can't defeat Orcus. What if we just try to find an alliance here?" And she's like, "What are you talking about? I told you to do two things. One, make sure." Nimrod doesn't come online. Make sure Destiny doesn't come back to life. And you couldn't do either, you fucking idiots. She definitely wants to uh, cure mutants um, in the way that she tried to in her third life. Because she believes that the only way that they survive is through pure assimilation. Okay. Yeah, so she sucks. I will say, I'm looking at some of the... I, this is one of those things that I almost wish the series would have had a slight gap in between where these characters could have evolved slightly. Cause I agree looking at the panels with the conversations between Mystique and Moira, like considering the way Inferno ended and how like thoughtfully and meticulously, I feel like each line of dialogue was where I was just like, man, these are fucking smart ass people having smart ass conversations. And then meanwhile, Mystique is just calling her. You're like, fuck, she's like, you'd want this too. You fuck. Like where do these people come from? Mm-hmm. Just connecting all these dots, I, I, it, it all seems like a cop out. I didn't even think about it when we were reading Inferno. Just the fact that I, I thought we had fed this in a little more than just like she decides this during Inferno in a two issue pan, in like in a panel. Like we had to turn her very quickly a villain just because it just it's like all rang so false. Now it rings super false, and I don't now I want I'm, I mean as as you know anybody who Mystique is trying to kill, I want to um, beat her. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm now supporting Moira, I guess. There, there are also an awful lot of now short, blonde-haired women with sunglasses that are anti-heroes or like neutral, maybe evil. So like, I when she changed her hair, I also thought she looked like Abigail Brand, and I was like, Yeah, what are the designs? I mean, Abigail has green hair. That's right. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was literally like, Who are the once, others? Once Brent agreed with me, I said, Wait, that can't be true. <laughs> No, wait, because I got the same Abigail brand vibe. I know what you're talking about. The design is exactly the same. It's a little ridiculous. Um, So are the 10 deaths just going to be the 10 people Wolverine randomly kills within the storyline? I think that's what it, I think that's what's going to happen. Because the 10 lives are about him trying to save people, save like uh, mutants who are important to, you know, the cause. Like uh, he saved, uh, Charles Xavier in the first issue. I think he's supposed to try to save Charles Xavier again during like the Team X days. Uh, and then um, in this, it's like a, like a future Wolverine coming in and and trying to kill like certain individuals. Maybe he's supposed to come back and kill Moira herself. Like he's he's it's it's mm. it's it's it's, it's, it's termin it's fucking Terminator. <laughs> it's what it is. It's you've got you basically got like in Terminator Two, you've got the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator being the good guy trying to save John Connor and then, you know, T-1000. Uh, but like in the first Terminator, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator is obviously the bad guy. So that's that's what this is. This is the uh, this is the inspiration. 
Can we think of any character that's not going to be in, a, in the next series that is currently in the series before? At, meaning, like with Black Tom was in X Force and is down. not going to be in the next group of X Force. Yeah, anybody else that's like that? Ooh, I don't know. It just seems like we're they're I mean, just going to be like slightly like, oh yeah, we're not using him. All right, we'll kill him right now, and then he can show up somewhere else, or maybe not for a little while. All the yeah, I was going to say, but they can just get resurrected too. Yeah, but aren't all the Marauders on the chopping block then? If uh... Like I'm trying. That's a good question of like who could be killed if nobody's. They're not being on teams in April. Yeah, I can't really think of anybody else. Well, we'll find out who we'll dies. We'll see in two weeks. Uh, but now let's talk about Marauders Annual number one writer Steve Orlando. Did you hear? We interviewed him. Check it out <laughs> on our Spotify. And artist Creasley. Uh, Brimstone loves brings the hate. This issue with Caden Bishop picking up the pieces of the team and their boat. The two jump ship eh, of the entire drug trade, put Christian Frost up at the Red Monarch and get to saving mutant lives only. A newly formed ragtag team comes together, saves Dokken, and staves off Brimstone along with some way harsh vibes from brainwashed humans and mutants alike. Uh, what did you all think of uh, Steve's first four? We call him Steve now, or Orlando. Yeah, <laughs> he only gets one word. What did you guys think of Marauders Annual Number One? I really, I really like Brimstone Love. Can maybe, I? Maybe I'm just supporting bad people. No, I, I support him in theory. The, the practice of like you know just like shoving someone in an X and throwing shit and attacking him. Can I get a quick, uh, you know, for me and the listeners, like just a very quick elevator pitch on who the fuck this guy is because I wasn't fully sure of his motives. <laughs> I thought they like seemed kind of reasonable for like a in-betweener villain type but then i was like none of this seems to make sense for for this character called brimstone love um ryan would be able to do that because he knew all the 2099 shit I yeah oh I... right he's a so he's a 2099 character yeah i just i don't know when he came back to like the modern era i i don't i don't know if i ever read that story or if that's know. been I properly think, explained i don't know if he ever did i'm looking at shit right now well, he's, I mean, back. he's obviously not uh, one of the most famous villains. Or uh, effective. <laughs> yeah. Um, He'll come back. I do think well, it was interesting, I mean, his, the, the motivation he had, because you see these kind of cults and organizations that are either jealous of X-Men powers or they're, they feel like the X-Men have caused too much damage to the world that they need to be removed or they're, they're racist. But... I don't think I've seen many that have as a motivation that they feel like they've been left out. They've been left behind. And I like that for this group. But what I didn't like was that they kind of then pushed off all the blame onto brimstone love. Like these people couldn't have that motivation mm -hmm. on their own. Mm -hmm. Caleb? I almost see him as like a kind of a perverted Charles Xavier pre hox pox, you know, leaves like, Hey, um, we don't need to segregate ourselves like Magneto wants. It's not about mutant supremacy. It's about assimilation and about, you know, about integration rather, maybe is a better word, not assimilation. And so it's just like, he kind of took what Charles was saying for a long time and said, let me weaponize this in like the most macabre and like sinister way possible. Um, I, I kind of like the character. I mean, the way that Orlando's described him in interviews is that he's an anti-hero. And I think this is a great way of describing what an anti-hero is. Mm -hmm. Not when people say anti-hero, oh, they say like Wolverine or Deadpool. I'm like, no, those are not anti-heroes. They're just heroes who right. do certain things that, you know, other heroes mm -hmm. may not do. But somebody who is um, like a Walter White type, 
or Tony Soprano type is like somebody you find very compelling, but their, their methods are absolutely repellent. Uh, even their motives might be absolutely repellent. That's mm -hmm. that's who Brimstone Love is. Um, I quite like the fact that I wanted, I'd like the fact that West, the people of Westchester County slash Salem Center, you know, who have been surrounded by the X-Men for decades, they shouldn't have happened earlier, but the fact that they feel like they were left behind by the X-Men mm -hmm. who were like, you know, they're not close friends, but, you know, like close associate kind of, this is their world they were in with, you know, Stevie Hunter and all that stuff that they are upset with it. I don't like the fact that they're just like assaulting people because of it, but I do understand, I like the psychology behind it. What I wonder if that's the thing you're talking about, Brent, is like, you need the base to turn up the noise. And so, I don't know what the fuck that phrase even means, but I no, think- No, no, that makes sense. <laughs> I think the idea is that like, to your point, Clark, these people, I really did like that they took that emotional, they like took advantage of those emotions. So I'm, I'm assuming there was some sort of like, tune up that they lost uh, sooner or later they lost control of their actions obviously but they needed a place to start because that's how you start a cult um if i know anything about cults because i lead many of them um no i think like i do think that you need that base and i think it's a great reasoning for what and how people because i was like it was a really good interesting argument especially for the human side but then also particularly for the mutants i like i think it was um whoever clock cleaver that it was um, that it was very much like well first you start with bring everybody then it's just then it becomes more and more exclusive so I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, push and pull too I still it's obviously still couched in like Saturday morning cartoon uh, uh, plotting uh, but I just thought that worked out really well Brent I am here for the snack that is Somnus I like his powers he's fucking smoking. I'm excited for his perspective um, because I'm, I, I'm most hopeful that he doesn't end up being just like another gay fuck boy, Dawkins style type character, that he might be someone who automatically rejects uh, the you know, conventions of humanity or of mankind because he lived a kind of closeted life and uh, wants to live in a more queer way. Um, so I think he's great. I want more of him. was laser everybody <laughs> she possibly could in this issue she was just showing up behind everybody throwing her hands around their chins and just blowing their eyes up. every character's like aurora no and she <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys yeah what do you guys think of the new team did it come together for you in this issue or are you excited to see what's happening next i think they're all like interesting players but they're gonna need a lot of time i think to bake as a team which i'm excited about because i want to see them grow i thought the issue was a little too fast um just because it was such a team building issue for an annual but uh, i don't know what do you guys think i i do think my main issue was um the pol uh, say polaris of course uh psylocke seemed off it seemed like something that would have happened after her fallen angel storyline instead of the hellion storyline seems like she's in a sad but good place in after Hellions, and it just felt, I don't know, cold and kind of too too sad. sad, sad no, sad. I I agree with you, but Kaylin, what were you gonna say? Um, I actually think the Psylocke stuff worked for me because, um, I mean, the whole thing of her with Hellions was 
she's going to do Sinister's bidding, essentially, because, uh, you know, eventually she'll get her daughter back. And that didn't happen with what Empath ended up doing uh, for for Emma Frost. So her being in the dumps actually worked for me. Let's just see how the subsequent issues are like. But as far as like the team gathering stuff that you mentioned, Adam, you know, yeah, it was a little quick. It was a little like rushed, but at the same time, I hate storylines that are about the gathering the team where they go over multiple issues. Let's just get to the goddamn point. Um, And so if, if this is more of an actual team book than what uh, Duggan ended up doing with Marauders, it ended up being more about Kate and Emma and more of the Hellfire Trading Company, which don't get me wrong, I enjoyed, but it was weird that it was even called Marauders. I, 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 I think I'm, I think this is going to be really a lot of fun. Like I think the team dynamic can be, can be a blast. It feels like a nice combination of like can be, I should say, I think it's got a build there, but it feels like it could be a good meeting of the minds of like X factor from the queer book perspective. And obviously some of the characters from that along with like maybe the more comedic or interesting unique tone of um, Hellions. Cause I, I will say, and I, you can, I felt like I was, you were definitely reading or Steve Orlando book. Like I enjoyed his, his writing. I'm excited to see more. Um, and I agree that I were, it almost felt like he was stuck picking up the pieces. Cause I think like we talked about, even when we reviewed Duggan's last Marauders issue was like, if they cut out that stupid space plot line, they could have had more issues to build, even build this up or build into this. And it, it just felt like a more of a hatch job. But I agree, I wouldn't want them to be organizing the team over the books in April. So I am glad it's out of the way. Um, so, I have a, so I have a question. Um, obviously, the X-Factor series ended and then Trial Magneto happened where X-Factor were, you know, bit players, for lack of a better term. Does the team just not exist anymore? The I thought only- they would be just in the, in the background and not, you know, and not, and not just be in their own book. Well, two of them are, 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 we've got Polaris isn't with them anymore. We've got, um, well, I, and I keep calling Aurora. Yeah, Rachel, uh, Rachel, Rachel's going to be with, gone. Aurora's gone. Dawkins gone. Well, who are we down to? Iboy. North Star, Iboy. North Star, Iboy, and Prodigy. Prodigy. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a waste of time. I'd see, I'd read that version of X Factor because it's like a very small CSI unit. It sounds <laughs> with, though, I, with the people that were doing all the work you've got like the muscle you've got the investigator and then you've got the oh, forensics person you know what i just answered my own question because i just remember the end of trial magneto it's a book that i wanted to forget about but uh <laughs> they were able to bring they they basically found the capacity to bring back everybody you know uh yeah. that's why that's why you know john proudstar came back and so i mean the reason x factor existed was um they had to investigate if somebody had actually died or not. Right. Uh, I mean, even though the promise of the book never really came through, except no. for the first couple of issues. I mean, that's still the necessity because they don't want to have three versions of anybody. I think that I that it. is still something that needs to be done. Yeah, I guess so. You worry about that. Let me worry about blank. Yeah, well, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's going to be taken up by somebody else. I don't know what, who or anything, but because north there i mean yeah north star prodigy and iboy are not maybe they'll all be dead in the uh 10 deaths of wolverine <laughs> they'll just kill three off in one issue you got the marauders leftovers you've got the x-factor leftovers uh let's jump on over to x-men number seven writer jerry dugan duggan and artist pepe Raz. cyclops's mysterious death and resurrection as captain krakoa gets solved 
having fallen at the hands of Dr. Stasis and his chimeras. We also find out that Cyclops and Jean realize the Quiet Council may not be staying so quiet, potentially erasing Ben Riley's mind of the resurrection protocols. Ben Urich. Ben Riley is as soon as I as soon as I spit that out, I was like, oh Jesus Christ. Ben Buttons. Uh, the issue also grapples with Sink's 500th birthday and him becoming an Omega-level mutant, potentially. Kaylin? Uh, I'm really in- enjoying... I enjoyed this issue, and I like the last issue a lot, too. And I think a lot of that's because Pepe Larraza is back. My God, like, every time he draws, like, I think he just gets better and better. Oh, and he's cool. like... Mm-hmm. And, I mean, X-Men over the you know last 40-some-odd years have been blessed with having some of the best artists in the industry. And, like, Pepe Larraza is, like like top of top of the list for me uh god it looks great and then like i've said before the the friction between the quiet council and cyclops and jeans x-men is why i wanted this book to exist and we didn't completely get that uh you know in the early issues it felt very like uh, you know kind of one and done uh you know like adventure of the week or adventure of the month i should say um this is like okay i am very intrigued it's a cool sounding book it looks great and then the ramifications about sync, uh, my God, like I am, I am super excited. Do you think that the, cause to your point, Caitlin, about the sort of lead in issues to the more recent two, it almost feels like an agents of shield problem where it's like they were waiting for other plot lines to fall into place. And then they're like, great. Now we can finally activate in our, our first season. Um, I don't I'm, I yeah. guess I, it seems like well, that way. <laughs> I mean, this, this, Island of Dr. Moreau fucking creatures are that <laughs> yeah. sweet spot of stupidity, uh, you know, for like a villain that kind of do- it doesn't really matter, but that ultimately serves this larger purpose of progressing a very interesting storyline about keeping the resurrection protocol secret. Uh, so I think that that larger narrative arc remains intact while having a campy kind of fun with uh, Cyclops's death. Because some ambulance driver just comes over and slashes his throat. I mean, it's yeah, like, I thought okay. that was hilarious. Clark. Well, that was Doctor. It was Doctor Stasis was doc- who did yeah. that. I mean, yeah, that's why he's about. looking. Yeah, that's why he's looking at. He's got the the uniform or whatever. Yeah, Brent's like, not a fucking like, idiot. Brent gets it. My my point my point was that it's not like like <laughs> I beg uh, to differ. Like Batman versus Superman. Like everyone's looking when he's doing this heroic thing. It's he gets his throat slashed in an alley. Clark? Uh, yeah. I don't, there's two things. One is, I don't know, I need to reread this one and the last one. I don't, I didn't really like the immediate flashback where this, this last issue was after this issue just seemed strange to me. I wish they were in reverse. Yeah, that's, I, I don't know if I felt that. The other thing is that we've got the high evolutionary who's going to show up in the storyline and we have this random dude who has the weird fucked up humanoid multiple monster monsters when that's the high evolutionary's shtick feels like they've stolen something from him i want to see him also have just a different group of also monster animals just and just be angry at the fact that that's already been used there's gotta be a there's and then there's subsequently there's the bet on cordyceps jones's casino about which monster group is gonna win like yeah it is it is surprisingly interesting like x-men flagship title being so weird i mean i get it they've always been kind of weird and out there but like more recently this feels like one of the most abstract titles considering who they're fighting versus like everything else being very like 
tightly plotted with these like villains that are really like substantial, I should say. I think if you flip the order of these, it would have felt weirder because then it would have made uh, uh, Captain Krakoa feel like a punishment for Cyclops. Like <laughs> you died. So we're going to make you this stupid, dumbass looking character rather than, hey, look at this fun, great character that's actually really Cyclops what do you- the whole along. What do you mean? He does look stupid. I mean, you jump carnation. Steven says to Forge, why did you make this so much function and not form, you dummy? What I think, what I mean is that you're, they don't have any tease for Captain Krakoa, that it's just becomes a punishment, really, then us saying like, here's a new character, get rid of them and move on with what's actually happening to Cyclops as a person. Yeah, my only my only issue with the the issue flips was that like his the death paneling in the last issue was just so I had to do one of those like did I miss something? Whereas like if you ever do that, you have to like give people some level of time skip or like create some level of context. So you're like, oh, they'll definitely go back and explain this. I felt like it was definitely a weird jump. But to your point, yeah, you can't really flip them. I just thought. I just got confused, sorry, with the fact that didn't Orcus send his, show his body, like send his body so that we already knew he was dead in a different version? Do they have, do we know that he's died twice? Do they know he's died twice? I I got very confused on which death was his death because he's died so many times and which ones are public, which ones are private, which is why I thought the other way would make more sense. I don't know. Don't you worry about death. Let me worry about blank. I I can't wait until they make uh, Nightcrawler Captain Krakoa's sidekick. What was kid his, Kr- what was his Krakoa name? Kid. kid Krakoa is actually, I love it. Wouldn't that just be Kid Omega? Uh, Thor, number 21. Writer, Donny Cates. Artist, Nick Klein. Delving God. deeper into the origins of Mjolnir's, am I saying that right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you care, what do you care now? Mjol- oh, that's fair. Uh, no, Mjolnir. it's pronounced Ben Riley. Pronounced Ben Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Mjolnir's physical manifestation, Ben Riley. The issue is mainly a giant battle between a man and his sentient hammer. Odin takes a potentially fatal blow defending his son, and it's revealed that Mjolnir has been merged in the sun with the spirit of cat dog. I mean, man gog. What did you guys think of this issue? So are they basically saying this is all Jane Foster's fault? That she threw yeah. both Mjolnir and man gog into the sun, and that's what happened? I was like, okay, all right. I can't believe they went the whole issue without saying it's hammer time. It's been 500 issues of Thor, and this is the first one they've never said it. The I only know. way that would be happened is if they also threw vanilla ice into the sun. <laughs> is that just Christian uh, Frost when he gets married? <laughs> Taylor, yikes. Uh, this, I mean, I'm still enjoying this book, but this very much felt like the middle chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it just was like, okay, this is like the kind of the battle where Thor like gets his ass kicked and then Odin gets his ass kicked. I like the concept of like, you have this, this very powerful weapon, a tool would have you. And the tool starts rebelling against the person who, who wielded it. I'm like, that is a, that's a neat idea. Yeah. It's almost, it feels like uh, a little bit like uh, not completely, but a little bit like the ebony blade for black Knight. you know, mm-hmm. where you've got something that's, uh, um, isn't quite you know corrupting the 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 wielder or the owner but you know it's like what does that mean of like if something is actually sentient 
and somebody's controlling it is this like is this a problem is this like a master slave kind of a situation versus like you know a carpenter and and his or her tool or their tool um i don't know it's it's a neat idea i i I hope i hope we get more uh exploration of that there's two yeah there's this is three out of five i think right i feel like that's correct it's the case does this a lot though like a five issue or like all of his like to your point like there's always kind of these middle issues of the of his thor run like more recently that i feel like you're right. You kind of get stuck in like, okay, let's get over the hump of exposition and get me into the the actual kind of final battle sort of thing. Yeah. Man, Gog. I still what that fucking name is just not not my. I love name. it. Really it biblical. Oh yeah, it's such yeah. a it's it's. I mean, he's an old old Thor villain. It's just such one of those weird like Kirby <laughs> Kirbyisms with Stanley. That like it's just so goofy sounding that I fucking love it. The the thing that I like the most about I guess no, there's a lot of things I like about Kate's obviously overall run and even some of the more recent storylines. I think I might have already said this before, but I I just love the fact that these can be all of his kind of story arcs are like built to basically kind of almost show up as movies, right? Because while I was reading this, I was like, oh that this whole plot line, whether it's its own core story or just part of a larger Thor movie in the future. I feel like there's a lot of, there's so much cool stuff they can do with this. Cause I think Mjolnir is such a big deal in the MCU that it would be awesome to like have this idea of something creates the physical manifestation of it. So, or the sentient manifestation. Cause what a cool way to have like history with the villain without having to like create that history in some way. Um, so mm-hmm. that was my takeaway on it. Any other thoughts on Thor? All right. Then it's Black Panther number three with John Ridley uh, with as a writer. And then artists, you had Juan Cabal and Ibrahim Mustafa. The whodunit murder of Wakandan sleeper agents continues into its third issue with T'Challa and Omolola, excuse me, asking for respite on planet Araco after another attack by shadow assassins. Storm welcomes the two and reconnects with T'Challa, but gentle as other plans, causing a stage fight upon their arrival and also giving T'Challa a much needed hug. Aww. What'd you guys think of this issue? So I um, I am still struggling with this book a little bit, but I think the world building is a lot more interesting than the characters. Like the idea of um, you know, Wakanda struggling with this parliamentary democracy uh, and T'Challa basically being a deposed monarch and then having his agents. And you find out the fight between him and Gentle, as you said, Adam was staged. Um, and, you know, Gentle is actually one of his agents. The idea of like Gentle being an agent of Wakanda on Krakoa is really interesting. And I hope that gets explored somewhere, if not in this book, like maybe in X-Men Red or, you know, we know that like Gentle was one of the characters that was, um, you know, folks were voting on for uh, to be an additional member of uh, the X-Men team that Jerry Duggan's writing. Uh, like that's that's a really neat idea. Somebody who's got, um, you know, divided loyalties. How how old um, are the other sleeper agents? How old were they when they were sent out into the field? It's in the twenties, maybe. Because this kid would have been sent out when he was maybe fourteen years old. Yeah. So he's basically some really dark. I mean, child soldier situation, which is very. Wakanda's crimes are stacking up. It's very, I don't like it. It makes me very uncomfortable because he's maybe 17 at most because all these characters are constantly being de-aged like anal. 
I mean, that's true. And like, he's definitely been like one of the, one of the younger, one of the younger X-Men. But again, I think, I think what I like about it is, you know, and I keep bringing up Priest's um, Black Panther run was the idea of like nation building is a dirty business, you know? And like, I think Charles Xavier even said that when Krakoa was first formed, it's like, you know, like creating nation states, you know, you, you are going to do some really unsavory things in the, you know, in the sake of, uh, uh, or in the, guys of like sovereignty uh and like wakanda shouldn't be immune from that just because it's this you quote-unquote utopia in 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 eastern africa um i like that actually i didn't believe the stage fight or i would not believe the stage fight if i was storm because she knows their connection already he went to their he was the only x x kid who went to their wedding because the connectivity between all of them already it just seems felt very the whole thing felt very fake I wouldn't have believed it because the acting was so bad. It was so over the top. <laughs> it was I'm really like, a... no one, no character is written this way. There is something going on here. Well, gentle secondary mutation is chewing chewing the scenery, so it actually <laughs> works that way. Um, no, I like. I think it would have been cooler if we find out a little bit later on. Maybe we still will. That Storm was like, I don't fucking like. I'm the goddamn you know queen of Saul, like the monarch of Araco. Like this is obviously mm. the dumbest ruse I've ever seen. Maybe we maybe we get a scene a little bit later on, and if not in Black Panther, maybe in X Men Red. Speaking of the Storm and T'Challa's relationship, was there something between her Ten of Swords storyline where she stole the mm-hmm. sword from Wakanda? And okay, because they no, seemed a lot more. Question. Was it? Oh, you didn't. Oh, you don't know. I was like, I, I was. I was agreeing like, with your sentiment. Okay, that you yeah. Were I was like, Card knows this answer. Great. Mm-hmm. No. No, that was my question. I uh, yeah, fucking don't it didn't, know. It didn't seem necessarily on compared to that issue. A, that issue was absolutely <laughs> wonderful, but because it mostly features Storm, my favorite. But B, it was surprising that there was the camaraderie. Like it just seemed like they kind of washed that away. <laughs> Kayla, I the yeah, I actually I don't disagree with what you're saying or, or the question you're posing. I think the only way to say it or to think about it is, yeah, T'Challa was pissed. But uh, he's got bigger fish to fry now. Totally. The fact that the fact that like he's not he's not the sovereign of Wakanda anymore, and so you know he's going to put aside those feelings for amnesty right now and deal with this other issue with these like his sleeper agents all being being assassinated. Uh, you know, getting to the bottom of that, and so it's like you know like sometimes you get in a fight with friends or with you know lovers, uh, uh, but ultimately you look for solace uh, when you actually need them. So. I mean, Kaylin, I hope they're. Which one are sorry. we? Go down the list. Me, Clark, and Brent. Are we lovers or are we friends? Haters and enemies. All three of you. <laughs> <laughs> kill, kill, fucking kill. <laughs> yeah. Brent, what was your Mary kill? I, fucking kill, kill, kill. I, I do hope that they pick up on that. Like that Storm never returned the sword. So. <laughs> Uh, her ex is coming over to like get like collect his things like hey uh, do you have my record still and um, I think there was like a family sword and she's like oh yeah, I the- don't know I might have thrown that in the garbage what wait yeah the family swords it's a, it's still a, it's still in death in Sevalith it's like yeah if you want to yeah. go to Otherworld and like take it out of death is like like mm-hmm. torso and that's where it is yeah he's never given it back my issue is. This is gonna. This is a will they won't they relationship that never is able to be. It's never gonna be fully a will they because they can't be functionally connected, because they're part of different editing departments. 
They're not going to be, she's not going to show up and just be, literally, it's this, literally the case. It's like, a, honey, it's, it's not a, you, it's the editing department. It's the Gail as old as Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> it's the case, they, they, I thought they it's, killed they're, this. They're crossover lovers, not yeah. cross, star it's literally, crossover, it's crossover lovers. It's so frustrating. Two, two issues passing in the night. <laughs> I love that, star crossover it's, lovers. Uh-huh. It's never going to work. And I thought they nipped this in the bud about five years ago, but they keep bringing it back in like small snippets and it's just wasting their time. Yeah. It's wasting both of their they're, times. They're never going to, they're never going to uh, be back together. And I'm okay with that. I never liked them together. I think it robbed storm some of her agency of like her being uh, married to black Panther. And it also felt very like two thousands Marvel. It's like, Oh, we have these two prominent black heroes let's get them married it's like why do they why do they need to be married i never understood that i hated it i hated it and they literally had to create the backstory for it because they never really had to do any of that before they had to get like a mini series and all this stuff to like make it even functional hey they're both from africa maybe they knew each other what africa's a giant fucking place stop this i hate that so much yeah so basically Uh, it's a waste of my time and their time and everyone's time all right. Well, uh, I hope that we don't have anything else to say about Black Panther. Um, Kaylin, did you have a last I will, thought? I, I did. Uh, so the the issue had two uh, backup stories. I won't go over the second one because it was pretty slight, even though it had really nice artwork. Uh, the, the, the final one, the third one, was uh, written by John Ridley, and the artist was German Peralta. And it introduces a new character named Tosin, who's going to be introduced in... Um, in um in or integrated i should say in the rest of the series and what i like about it is some of the nation building and world building stuff we've seen in wakanda how they're imperfect and so tosin is part of a um a uh, uh like one of the wakandan tribes that left wakanda because they didn't agree with the way that it was being run and him coming back to see oh maybe they have changed with the parliamentary system and he's like they absolutely haven't and so uh a character who is um not necessarily like a killmonger type an anti-hero in that, in that regard, or even an outright villain, somebody who brings a different perspective, but is heroic in his own way, uh, I think is, uh, I think is great. Yeah, it'll be interesting, especially for the politics of Wakanda. And I, I did think that going back to the issue, it was interesting to see how they're still trying to navigate being a new country. So having an outsider, um, I think would be great. Um, let's move on to our last segment. Uh, plug me daddy uh as always uh we uh, get a chance to quickly highlight something we've read seen heard experienced wanted to share with each other or you uh our pig bottom listeners um who's got to plug me daddy are you trying to like take eight something from trixie and katya with your uh sound oh not intentionally but who knows? Maybe I maybe I'm subconsciously doing it. Oh, I am a phony. Well, uh, I've got one, but it's not. It's a little bit off the beaten path, so I don't want to go first. Okay, I'll go with. I'll start with mine. Uh, it's the Netflix show uh, Archive eighty four. I feel like it's really enjoyable and it's uh, well structured to keep building mysteries and giving you payoffs. Uh, and I'm surprised that we're not talking about it more the same way that people were super excited about the house of haunting, the haunting of Hill house. Uh, this feels really great. 
What is it? Can you give a quick yeah? Can you give a quick synopsis of what it is? Yes. So Archive eighty four is the story oh. of a um, archivist who uh, restores uh, videotapes, and he's tasked with the project of restoring these videotapes from um, a uh, building that had like that burned down. And as he's doing it, he you know gets involved in this whole kind of mystery around uh, this particular woman and the building's fire. There's family stuff involved. Oh, it's always about family. Where when you're there, it's Archive eighty four. Clark, you got something. <laughs> so does it, take, does, does it take place in nineteen eighty four? Is that why it's called that, or is it like from no, eighty one? It's Archive eighty one. No, it's that's Archive eighty one. Archive number one. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Am I completely wrong? Have I've I been watching a also. different show? No, I'm watching the sequel, Archive eighty four. Okay. <laughs> that hasn't no, come back what, yet. It's it, from the it takes future. Place yeah. in, takes place in multiple timelines not oh, that it is not, that's not spoiling it we're seeing that woman's uh video filming from 1990 something yeah i'm a dumb bitch it's archive 81 <laughs> fours and ones i'm i'm calcalexic what calcalexic it's like me i um uh i'm i'm plugging um that there's my roommate's dog lucy's right here and you should get to know her listeners all right, we're gonna post a photo cool. of that dog, Kaylin. Looks like. All right, so mine's a little weird. It's not a book. It's not a TV show. It's not a movie. It's not a comic or an action figure. So we've talked about before that I sometimes plug. So this is a plug me daddy. I plug our podcast on the social media apps where one can meet a fine young gentleman uh, or an older gentleman or any gentleman uh, or anybody uh, for you know some uh, adult times. So uh, oftentimes what ends up happening is, uh, you know, people, people will reach out to me and they're like, oh, I'm an X-Men fan too. And it's usually the most like banal conversation. So uh, sometimes I get like people who like keep up with the stuff, start listening to podcasts. So for those of you who are listening to us because of my grinder or scruff profiles, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Sorry, I never slept with you. Um, but I had a conversation just the other night that annoyed the shit out of me. And I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but I have to bring this up here. Um, this guy this guy asked me, give me, tell me your unpopular opinion about X-Men. And I said, Cyclops is better than Wolverine. He's like, oh, I agree with you. And I said, Madeline Pryor is better than Jean Grey. He's like, oh, well, I don't know about that. Yeah, she definitely sucked in the movies, but she's kind of awesome in the comics. I'm like, eh, she's fine, but whatever. And then we started talking about DC Comics. And I was like, oh, I like DC too. And he's like, well, yeah, my unpopular opinion is DC is better than Marvel. I was like, okay, hold the phone here. Uh, and then um, he said, oh, the Justice League are better than the Avengers. I was like, well, are you talking about the comics? Are you talking about the movies? What are you talking about? Oh, and no. then like, he just starts like shitting about like, oh, power levels of people. It's like, oh, like the Justice League could beat, um, you know, an archer and like a Russian spy. And I was like, well, the Justice League has Green Arrow and Batman. And they, they end up being just fine. It's not about power levels, it's about it's how they're written. And he's like, well, uh, blah, blah, blah. So basically I was like, I'm done with this conversation because I cannot stand any conversations about power levels of heroes. It doesn't matter who the fuck cares. Uh, it is all about how they are written and illustrated or acted uh, or and written uh, if we're talking about, you know, uh, adaptations in film or TV or, you know, streaming. Uh, so that's my stupid Same. fucking plug me daddy. I don't know why. This is why I should not be talking about like nerdy superhero stuff on Grinder or Scruff. Uh, so you, ne or any you of never the apps. found out his power level? Uh, power bottom level. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, it's kind of like the debate of like, 
who who's a better author whoever uses the most words it's like okay well that's who gives a Charles shit Dickens stuff? wins every time yeah. in that case and I refuse to give it to him no I thought it was gonna be like Dostoevsky he he wins uh, I mean, oh, I, oh, I thought it was mid- Voltaire I think you're about to say Voltron for a second. I swear to God, it's when five writers come. When five writers come together, they turn into Voltaire. Well, I don't know exactly what Kalen was plugging there. I think it was no one. Um, That's been our episode. (laughs) I told you it was weird. I told you it was weird. You can find us on Twitter at X and Instagram at Podcast. Rate and review us if you like us. You can find Kalen on Grinder at Railed Out Right Now. Uh, I'm Ben Riley, and this has been Homar Superior, my little homos.